everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Conversation for Our Generation. My name is Nick Jamel, and I'm the creator of The Conversation for Our Generation and the host of the podcast here. And today we're talking about something a little bit more topical than we have been over the last few episodes. I guess last week's was fairly topical with the uh, passing of Roger Scruton, but today what I'd like to talk about is really what's going on in Virginia and talk about the Second Amendment and why it's so important for four different major reasons. One of them is pretty obvious if you know (laughs) how I feel about things, but the rest are also just other secondary and tertiary reasons that we should be honoring the use of these as tools as well as weapons. And so we'll talk about that today, but before I get too far ahead of myself, I'd like to remind you that you can find me on conversationforgeneration.com if you haven't already. Go there to check out and see more in the show notes today. I have a couple other articles that I've written about guns and links to other stuff on the website about, you know, what that other defenses that are maybe written or other articulated in other ways. So definitely go there to check those out too today. And if you're on, uh, if you're on the website, go to iTunes to subscribe to the podcast and hear more about these each week. You know, you get them straight to your feed. You don't have to worry about remembering. It's super easy to get there. And so definitely go and subscribe. And also you can find me on facebook.com slash conversation for our generation or on Twitter at con of our gen to join the conversation and just get some back and forth going with me and other people. So check it out there as well. And let's go ahead then and hop into our quote of the week, which comes from Plato not Plato, but Plato, the philosopher, I kind of mispronounced there. Um, and so today what I have from him is that dictatorship naturally arises out of democracy and the most aggravated form of tyranny and slavery out of the most extreme liberty. And the reason why I'm talking about this today is because the number one reason why we have the Second Amendment is because of tyranny. And We'll talk more about that later on in the episode, but I think it's important to realize that the extreme liberty that we have is unique, and the best way to go about taking it is not really the way that you see in 1984 and some of these other places where you kind of have a socialistic country that gets taken over by socialists in a way that's, you know, unbecoming of what the country wants. And it, and it actually quashes freedom even more so than what's already happening. But what we've fallen into is the idea of Brave New World, which I still haven't read, but I know the premise. And it's about basically that you take over the people and you steal all their freedom through smiles and happiness and turning them mindless by giving them everything they want and libertinism and all of that. And that's what we've seen happen in the last, especially 50 years, but really over the last 100 years. I mean, the Roaring Twenties were a time of extravagance and, you know, real, not just economic, like freeing up the economy, but also really starting to push to free up the possibility for libertinism for a lot of the things that we saw happen in the 60s were the culmination of efforts efforts that started in the 20s. And so what I think is important to understand is that the freedom that we have 
is near and dear. And it, like he says, dictatorship naturally arises out of democracy. But in a republic, it's not going to be the dictatorship. You know, all the people who are worried about Trump being dictator, there's two other branches of government and plenty of people in the military who aren't going to let the president turn into a dictator. I would bet money. I mean, I saw plenty of people in military uh, outfitting walking around and, and real military, not just like paramilitary stuff or militia type things that you can find at, well, you can't find it at Dick's Sporting Goods anymore, but <laughs> you used to be able to find places like that or in gun stores. Uh, and because those people were out there marching with the Second Amendment protesters, the people who are saying, you're not going to come in and take our guns because you don't have the right to. So dictatorship doesn't really fall out of a republic the same way that it normally does. You have to conquer it like Julius Caesar did. And I think it would be a rare breed that can really topple what we have here in the way that Caesar did. And at least in that way. But there are plenty of people who are willing to go along incrementally. And this was another quote that I found uh, by Thomas Jefferson, actually, that was a runner-up. So I get to talk about it. But he says, experience hath shown that even under the best forms of government, those entrusted with power have, in time and by slow operations, perverted it to tyranny. And that's what we've seen, is that we've grown and grown liberty in order to enslave people because the people who want all the freedom without responsibility truly do become slaves to the government and are tyrannized by the government. That's why we have more nitpicky rules than ever before. And... We don't trust the people to pay off their own debts, and we have to forgive their debts. You know who, <laughs> you know who was not a moral agent for all of human history? Slaves, you know, wives, <laughs> because they were owned by their husband or their masters. Or sorry, well, you know what I'm saying. Not that's not in respect. <laughs> Anyways, slaves were not owned by their husbands and wives by their masters. It was the opposite, and. Anyways, what happened is, is that over the last 150 years, we've freed that up so that they can, even if you're married and there's no more slavery, you are a moral agent and you do have liberty to, and that also means that you have responsibility. That's what came with it. Now, your husband doesn't get arrested if a wife commits a crime. You know, you're, you don't have to pay off debts if your slave messes something up because, there aren't slaves and your wife is moral agent now in our system. And so if she does something wrong, then she pays the price, right? And that's how liberty works is that when you gain freedom, you gain responsibility. It's, you know, just like uncle Ben said, except not with great power, it's with great liberty comes great responsibility. But we've created over time, a government that gives us freedom supposedly freedom without taking without making us take any responsibility and it's over time eroded our real liberty that we have to stand on our own to make our own way in the world and so because of that people don't realize why you need to have guns and so i want to talk a little bit about what it used to be like when you had to make your own way in the world and give you a little bit more of the context around why guns are important than just the usual tropes. And we will talk about that as well, some of the more usual arguments. But 
I want to come at it with a little bit of a different angle today. And so, one major thing is that guns were used for sporting. For all of American history, there has been target shooting, and, I mean, it's an Olympic sport. Americans have made this a popular pastime for a long time. And so, especially if you think about the people on the frontier, what the hell do you have to do? You build a cabin out in the woods, you have hundreds of acres between you and the next person in any direction, if you're an early, early settler. And then, how do you entertain yourself, you know? Well, you can target shoot and practice because you'll need to know how to shoot. And, you know, I know that there's people even still today who are regular. I mean, my grandpa and, you know, friends that we have regularly go to the gun range to shoot and practice. And I should get out there more, but I don't. I don't always get out there and have the time to do it. I definitely think that while it's cold, it's a great thing that I should be doing right now. And I'm kind of getting fired up and really want to go now. So I think I will be doing that in the next week or so. But especially because I live like five minutes, if that, from a gun range. So I really should be going. But it's an it's a popular pastime. It's a way of honing a skill. And like I said, it's a world-recognized uh, sport, and it's something that's been a part of America since before we even were the United States of America, since we were Englishmen and women living here, or Frenchmen and women, or Spanish men and women living here, but especially the English. And so that's one way that we use it is for sport. The second, and I think this is one that really goes to people who were much more responsible and took their liberty seriously and they fed themselves. And so again, looking back to the people on the frontier, the thing that we talk about today is they didn't want military style weapons because they were just hunting and sure they needed their guns to hunt. They needed their guns to kill their livestock and feed themselves and take responsibility for their own lives. And so they did use guns for that. People still use guns for that. It's one of, it's a very popular sport on TV still as well. Again, it's going back to the sporting and entertainment. It's still a very popular thing. And it's important as well because it's not just a weapon in the sense that we look at it today. You know, you could go kill animals with a bow and arrow or a hammer, or you can go fishing, right? You had a lot of ways to gather food with a gun was the best way to humanely kill your livestock in a lot of ways. A quick shot is painless and, you know, easy, right? But it also allowed you to kill wild game that, so if you had a bad harvest, something went wrong, you could still find a way to go out and hunt and find food. It was an important way of, it was important, it was an important tool in your repertoire of feeding yourself. So you would farm, you would hunt and fish, and that's how, for most of human history, we've fed ourselves is through hunting and fishing. And also, for most of human history up until we had guns, really, because bow and arrow didn't take down a lot of the uh, things that we, the big animals especially, it wouldn't take down an elk or a deer until we had the modern type of bows and arrows that were like this composite stuff that 
that arrow's flying so much faster, it's, you know, getting really deep into the animal, and even then, you still have to trail it. A lot of times today, if you're going bow hunting, it's hard to drop them super quickly like it is with a gun, and so, and even then, a gun's not a surefire thing to drop them immediately, but if you wanted to live out on your own, if you were going to go be a frontiersman, you needed a gun, because you couldn't go bow hunting and really, I mean, you could, but it's not going to be a surefire thing. If you're out there by yourself and relying on yourself to feed your family, then you want a gun because that was the best way to do it. And that was the best way to do it alone. Because if you look at how before that hunter gatherers and a lot of other, it was group hunting is how you did a lot of it before you had really steady bow and arrows. And even then, I think there was still group hunting for the bow and arrows. You see that in at least depictions of American Indians and how they did it in the settlers or right before the settlers times or during the settlers times. So, I mean, just watch Apollo, uh, Apocalypto. That's what it is. Mel Gibson's Apocalypto. Look at how they hunt. That was obviously right before the ships landed from Europe (laughs) and where the Europeans did have guns. So just think about that. That's how people were hunting all across this continent at the time that guns were brought here. And so food was a huge, huge reason for having a gun in your house. And so those are two things that I think people overlook is that you have the right to (laughs) get your own food and you have the, and so that's one reason why you need a gun. You have the right to innocently shoot a gun at a target as long as there's you're not endangering people you're not shooting at a target you know in my house where I live on a tenth of an acre about (laughs) you know I'm not shooting a gun in my backyard but you have 300 acres sure go back there and shoot it right it doesn't it's not gonna hurt anybody you know do it shoot it into a hill you know to be responsible but those kinds of things or go to a gun range those are a pastime that you have the right to enjoy really in our world and especially in our country. The next one is self-defense. And so for people who want to uh, defend themselves and for people who want to take that into their own hands, that they're not going to wait on law enforcement to come because you know, they say when seconds count, law enforcement is only minutes away. (laughs) And, and it's true regardless of whether or not you're, you know, thin blue line, cops are the best thing that's ever happened or not. If there's a person who is ready to mug me and hasn't pulls a knife on me, I don't have time to wait seven minutes for a cop to get there because that's how far away they are. You know, it takes time for them to get the call and get it out and have someone respond regardless of what you think of cops. And so if you have a gun on you, you're able to defend yourself right back against that person. And that's what you should do. That's what you should be able to do. It's your right. And this goes back to natural law that, you know, it's wrong to kill. It's wrong to murder. That's really what the thou shalt not murder is really the commandment. It's not kill because there's just times to kill. In fact, like in that same book of the Bible, God tells you how to execute people for 
or what are the proper things to be executed for, which is a narrowing down of many of the other things that people are being executed for or protecting against just random, you know, I think my wife cheated on me, so I'm going to take her out kind of justice. He puts a lot of parameters around what you can, you know, restricting those things. And so, and turns, you know, just retributive, retributive justice into actual murder, you know, right? He wants people to actually be put through some sort of justice system. And he gives the Israelites that, or Moses does in an inspired way, whatever it is. And so it's about thou shalt not murder. But if someone is threatening your life, you have the right to defend yourself. You don't, at that point, they... Your, it is either your life or theirs, and you don't have you don't have to sit there and just allow someone to kill you. You don't have to sit there and let someone steal from you. You don't have to sit there. And so the ability to defend yourself, the ability to also deter people, right? Because if, if you look at what happens when guns are taken away, and from a practical sense, a lot of times... Criminals become emboldened. In fact, most of the time, criminals become emboldened. Instead of waiting until you're gone to break into your house, they'll just break into your house and hold you hostage. Because, guess what? Criminals have weapons. Because they're criminals. And so, they don't care about a gun law. <laughs> and and so, they will still have a gun. <laughs> regardless. And so, that's an important thing to keep in mind. Is that, if you want to have an even playing field for self-defense, and allowing people to really be able to hold their own in this world and in the world of the past, especially, it was true. I mean, if you're living out on the frontier, if you're living in rough areas where crime rates are, you know, hugely, I mean, in huge proportions, bigger than they are now, then it was important to have a means of self-defense. And if you defend yourself, man or woman, but especially for women, there's no better way than a firearm. I mean, women can take the self-defense classes and that's all fine and dandy and that's great to know how to break out of something or, make, you know, know a couple, I don't want to say cheap shots, but cheap shots, that, you know, in a real fight, you know, in a sanctioned fight aren't okay. But in that situation, it's no hold bar. I don't care. I mean, go for whatever at that point if someone's grabbing you and whatever, you know, do what you got to do. So... They can learn that, but if you can break away and turn around and pull a gun on somebody, tell you what, they'll run the other way. <laughs> if you, if that's how it goes, instead of you break away and have to run, you know, they can still catch you or they can still chase you with a knife or, you know, shoot you. But if you, if they don't have a gun on them or out and you turn around and they start to pull a gun or they start to reach somewhere, you, and you can just stop them in their tracks, that's saves lives. And I've seen videos of it saving lives where guys run over across the street and grab a woman's purse. And as he's grabbing the purse, she reaches in it, pulls a gun out and shoots him. I mean, and stops him and like, or a guy runs over with a gun and, uh, holds up like a group of three women. And another girl comes from like walking somewhere else, like from up behind him and just shoots him. <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, I'm laughing, but, you know, you see people getting what they deserve when they use them improperly. Sure, people who commit gun crimes should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. I agree, but that doesn't mean that guns themselves are bad because they 
it opens up to other ways of attacking people, and it disarms unilaterally. If it's why you know we don't give up our nuclear weapons while other countries have them, you want to say, hey, look, if you do something to us, it'll be mutually assured destruction. So you can't just tyrannize us with your nuclear weapons, Russia or whoever else out there. We have them too, and so having that credible threat of violence helps. It makes people second-guess themselves before they go and, you know, attack somebody, right? If you think that person might have a gun, you're going to think again before you do something about it. If you know that these, that most people or ain't, nobody has a gun like you have in Britain, then people go break in while people are home and just hold them hostage instead of here in America, at least, you're not there when people break in your home most of the time. Most of the time, that is. Or if they, if you are there, it's generally an accident um, or a stupid kid. You know, it's it's not real hardened criminals generally doing that. You know, they might break into a garage or something like that here and there. Or your car or whatever it is um, while you're home. But people don't just come into houses a lot. And... When they do, I mean, you hear stories all the time of people defending themselves. And that's why we have this. Because here's the thing is, if we're talking about liberty, <laughs> if we're talking about the rights that we have as U.S. citizens, you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a.k.a. property. And the first one of those is your life. You have the right to your life. If someone threatens your right, to your life, they forfeit their right to theirs at that moment. As long as you can, if you can use less force, use less force, you should. But if someone is putting your life in danger, you have every right to defend your life with everything you got. And if you have a gun, then that becomes a lot easier. The last is one that is obviously something that people kind of roll their eyes at. And as I spoke earlier about our quotes from Thomas Jefferson and from Plato, defending against tyranny is a real thing. <laughs> because, it, and I, you can look at what happened in the 20th century. Stalin took the guns, Mao took the guns. You know, I don't even know if China actually had guns at the time. Um, but Stalin took guns. Hitler took guns. Every time someone comes to power and wants to, hmm, excuse me, do something really bad, they take the weapons. Even Aristotle talks about it in in his work on politics. He talks about how you have to make sure that slaves don't have guns because you could have a slave rebellion. In fact, look at Harper's Ferry. What was the Harper's Ferry <laughs> uh, incident about right before the Civil War? It was about getting guns over and ammunition to slaves to start a slave rebellion in the South. That's what it was about. <laughs> and so... Because they, I mean, they took a, you know, some, they took the ferry that was carrying ammunition. That's why the military went in is because it was, I'm pretty sure a military vehicle, but it was transporting, you know, at least transporting arms and ammunition. And so that's why they took that. And so that's what's important about having this defense against tyranny is you don't know when that's going to happen. You don't know when someone's going to come and take your guns. <laughs> and what we're seeing in Virginia is something that I think is just an incredibly bold move by a state government. And 
they're seeing what will happen and who will turn on them. You know, the sheriffs aren't going to, are not putting up with this all across the state, right? They're saying we're not, this is an unjust law. We have the right to nullify the law. And I'll actually put something in here about nullification because I have a couple things about that. But the sheriff has every right to not comply with state law. The sheriff has every right to not comply with federal law, in fact. And so that's one person turning on them. I've seen National Guardsmen and military out there marching with people and police officers out there marching with people. And so, you know, and not to mention just your regular old Joe Schmo, your regular old people who maybe work a white collar job, a blue collar job, whatever it is, and don't want to have their guns taken away because they know what that leads to. They know that that's the first step. And especially from a governor who's already like talking about sanctioning infanticide. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's a far jump from infanticide to genocide, especially once you take the guns. So, um, <laughs> just saying, I, I think that there's just an evil ideology there that puts those, puts infanticide and defending that and disarming your population together. I'm just saying you're starting off on a bad road if your governor is doing that. And, so I think it's important to recognize that this is a reality. This is a real possibility. Now, sure, could it get to the Supreme Court and get overturned if it's a bad law? Sure. You know, it, are there other ways of fighting that? Sure. But what if those disappear? What if that's not the case? What if you lose that? And then you have to really go and ask yourself some real questions. And... So the biggest thing that we've seen, the biggest guns rights advocates have been for arming the people who need it the most, the people. And like the NRA, for instance, was founded in order to give black citizens legal recourse when the their rights were being violated in, in regards to gun rights. The NRA was founded as an organization for black people to, you know, kind of like the like ACLU or Southern Poverty Law Center, I think is a better example at first that was looking to defend black people in courts of law for other civil liberty, civil liberty suits. But NRA did it for black people um, in regards to Second Amendment and maybe some other stuff as well. But it was specifically for post-Civil War black people and having their, their ability to not be disarmed so that they could defend themselves and they, could, they couldn't get re-enslaved. And if it's about arming black people at one point so that they can't be re-enslaved, why would it not be about arming an entire population so the entire population can't be enslaved? Because here's the thing, as bad as the Brave New World stripping of liberty is, you can still make arguments in that sphere that help people to free themselves up and help people to start moving in the right direction. You can have real discussions still. It's harder because people get dumber and dumber as it goes along and they get more and more comfortable and they don't want to give up their pleasure that they have, but it's possible. When you come to the point where you have a dictatorship, where you have violent overthrow of government, well then guess what? You need something to violently fight back. You do. And anyone who <laughs> says that that's not the case the 20th century was the deadliest century in American history, or not in American, in world history. 
sorry. And by far, like nothing in world history comes close to what happened in the 20th century. So if you think we're past tyranny, if you think we're past, you know, the need for defending yourself against governments, you are wrong. The 20th century was the most vital time in world history to defend yourself against governments. Millions and millions of people died. So we, I believe, are in the most important time to have that credible threat of violence so that just like when it comes to self-defense, that mugger on the street doesn't think, oh, this chump's an easy target. There's no one around here in New York who has guns. No, they say, this is Texas. <laughs> that guy's probably strapped. He might have two guns on him, right? That's what you want your that thug walking down the street looking at you as a target to think is if I, I could have a 45 and a... <laughs> And a thirty-eight special in my chest, right? You know, you don't want, you don't want that. You want, or I mean, that's what you want as the person. But you, as the thug walking down the street, that's not what you want. So you leave the person be. The government is the thug walking down the street, and the people is either someone walking down with no gun, who can get mugged and robbed and left for dead, or the person walking down, like you see in Virginia, with like. A guy carrying a 50 caliber sniper rifle, which is just awesome. I mean, there's a couple of things that I want someday, and it's a functioning tank and a 50 cal and enough acreage to shoot it. Um, shoot them both, really. <laughs> and that would make be like my dream come true. My wife can have whatever she wants at that point, because that's when, you know, you have the screw you money. But... That's really what I, I mean, that's what I look forward to is having something like that. And so when you have someone walking around the streets of Virginia with that, it makes people think twice. I'll tell you what, because he can sit up on a high hill in Virginia and just, if it came to blows with the government coming and taking your guns, you don't want to go to collect a 50 caliber sniper rifle. I'll tell you that because you don't know where that guy is. <laughs> and that's good because... If you come to collect guns, in my opinion, I don't care if you're just doing your job, so were the Nazis. So anyone who comes to collect guns at that point forfeits their life just like someone attacking somebody. And so no matter what you say, I mean, look at what Solzhenitsyn wrote in the Gulag Archipelago, and you can see that it's the people just doing their jobs that allow the Soviet gulags to happen that allowed tens of millions of people to be killed by Stalin. And so if you think that this is out of range, if this is crazy, <laughs> you obviously haven't studied history and you know nothing about history. This is a real possibility for any country, any person to run into. And so that's why we have gun rights because not only is it for being reliant on yourself for food or sport, you know, having those things, it's so that at night when I'm walking home from work and it's dark at five o'clock in Indiana, I know that if I hear someone coming, I have something on me if I want, if I need to. If it's, if I'm in my home and I hear a noise, I can grab the gun and see what's going on. I'm not, I don't have to worry about being totally defenseless. 
against someone who's bigger than me. And then when it comes to the government, I know that there are more guns than people here. And I know that many of the people who serve the government, you know, the military and law enforcement actually are very pro-gun still. And so as much flack, especially that I give cops sometimes, you know, a lot of them are very pro-gun and they won't put up with it, especially at the sheriff level, because then they really don't have to put up with it because they don't answer to the city and they really don't have to answer to the state if they don't want to. (laughs) And so that's an important, it's, that's why it's important for us to have this is at every level, because you take responsibility for your life. You take responsibility for the freedom of your posterity and you take responsibility for your livelihood, your feeding yourself, your entertainment and things like that. Guns are so integral to our society. It's like when they tried to ban alcohol, we're a drinking society and we're going to drink. And so we'll figure it out. But (laughs) it doesn't last when you ban something that is so integral to the way the society is formed. And so hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the conversation of our generation. Hopefully you have some thoughts on this. I'd love to hear what people are thinking on the this debate, what's going on in Virginia. I didn't really want to talk too much about it other than just give the defense on why we need these guns and why they're important. But if you have other thoughts, if you have news, if, especially if you're listening to this in Virginia, if you have news on what's going on there, definitely let me know. I'd like to hear how that thing, how that's progressing. I'll be keeping an eye on myself because I think this is an important piece of news that we need to know. And it's a good thing to observe because I think that as other states are going to try to probably do things and follow suit, well, they'll do it if they think they can get away with it. If they can't, they won't (laughs) probably, but if they can, if they do try, it'd be good to see how you stop it. So definitely keep me up to keep me in the loop. Definitely go to conversationforgeneration.com. Definitely go to facebook.com slash conversation of our generation or twitter at con of our gen to get some conversation going there and subscribe on itunes just search conversation of our generation on itunes and subscribe give it a five star rating give it a good review those things really help if you're enjoying the podcast definitely do that for me that's hugely helpful but yeah subscribe and just keep listening and keep giving me feedback i'd love to do more and get more ideas from people in the people who are listening people who are enjoying the conversation of our generation. So thank you for listening to this episode of the conversation of our generation. Let's get the dialogue going. I'll talk to you next week.